Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I stepped outside and somebody said, you're supposed to be up there preaching. And so, uh, uh, I didn't have the order of service. Hey, happy Father's Day to all the fathers here today. God bless you. I want to talk to you this morning about building a great life, and you have a handout, and, and I, I want you to write just a, a few words in, and I'll tell you what they are in just a moment, but we're going to talk about building a great life. In fact, the message today will answer the question, how can I build a great life? A life of significance, a life of meaning, and a life of purpose. Now the idea of building something with your life is extremely biblical. We're to be carefully building our lives, uh, not just living our lives by chance or happenstance, not just cruising and coasting through life. We're to live our lives on purpose. Now, The things that I'll say in this message will apply to everybody here, but especially to the men. I'll be addressing the men. We are to be very carefully building something according to the Word of God. You have this on your handout, but we'll also pull it up. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now, the Apostle Paul was saying that God had given him grace, and given him the leadership, and given him the ability to lay the foundation like an expert builder. But now notice what he says. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. So men, I want to ask you from the beginning, are you being very careful about the life you're building and the family you're raising. There's a a poem that I love, and I've quoted it many times, but I can't pass it by this morning because it asks a couple of questions that are so important in this message. It's a poem by Edgar Guest. It goes like this. I watched them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and a side wall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled in the men you'd hire if you had to build? He gave a laugh and said, no indeed, just common labor's all I need. I can easily reckon a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. And I thought to myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Here are the questions. Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by the rule and square? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-made plan, 
patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks the town content with the labor of tearing down? You see, I want to give you today something that we can just call the rule and square of God's Word. How to build your life, how to build a great life, a significant life, a meaningful life, using the rule and square of the Word of God. You can walk out of here today equipped to be a master builder to build something for the glory of God. Now, here's the first building block for a great life. Choose the right foundation. You have that in your outline. Choose the right foundation. Now, here it is. Here's what you want to write down. The right foundation is Jesus. He's the right foundation. The first one is the easy one. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Nobody can lay another foundation. You see, the Apostle Paul was saying as he wrote to the Corinthian church, this is the only foundation. All the other foundations of the world, all of them will one day crumble. There's not but one foundation that will see you through your entire life and sustain you throughout all of eternity, and that is the foundation of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, there is no other foundation. You have to build on this one foundation, and it is Jesus Christ. Now, exactly what does that mean when we talk about building on the foundation of Jesus Christ? It's real simple, church. That means that we follow Jesus. That means we follow His example. That means that we live our lives according to His teaching. Listen, the Bible is not just a book we read. It's not just a book that we study. It's not just a book that we teach. It's not just a book that we preach. The Bible is a book that we should be living by. This is the rule book. This is the rule and square by which we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said that a wise man builds his house on the the rock. We all know that scripture, don't we? Now, depending on the translation that you are reading, the Bible says He is, Jesus Himself is the rock of ages. He's the eternal rock. He's the everlasting rock. He's the cornerstone that the world has rejected, but He's the cornerstone we build our lives on. We build on Jesus. And one verse says that if you build your life on Jesus Christ, listen to this, you will never be put to shame to live your entire life. And nowhere in life and nowhere in judgment, nowhere in it, you will never be put to shame. Now, speaking about being put to shame, uh, there's a story of some very uh, smart people out in Texas, who got put to shame. Ten years ago, there was a great foundation failure in Texas. It was called the South Padre Islands Ocean Tower Project. Plans were to build a high-end luxury beach tower that would be looking out over the ocean. It was to be beautiful and magnificent, 
and it was to be standing almost 500 feet in the air when completed. The brochure, several brochures, but one of them read something like this. This is a great opportunity to get a bargain if you buy one of the condos early. It will become the finest quality built tower in the best location on South Padre Island. The views and amenities are unmatched and the units the largest on the island. The construction of Ocean Tower began on April 5th, 2006. It continued for two years and much of the main structure completed. Early in 2008, when the building was now 376 feet high. Now that's higher than the Florida State Capitol. And this building's not even done yet. It was 376 feet high and construction was halted. Why? The building started sinking almost 16 inches downward. Then it started leaning toward the northwest. Then the building started cracking and breaking. The building became known as the Leaning Tower of South Padre. A letter was sent out to the investors reassuring them that everything was all right and reassuring investors that while the project will be delayed, the skyscraper would reemerge stronger and safer than ever. Now here's a word to the wise men. When someone's trying to convince you that everything's all right, that could be a clue. Especially when it involves your money. The experts came in and determined that there was no fixing the building. Why? The foundation was flawed. The foundation was the problem. Not the building. You can't fix a building when the foundation is the problem. Even if you fix the building, the problem will come right back. There's no fixing a person's life when they're building on the faulty foundation. You have to go back to square one and fix the foundation. But the experts said it was too late for the ocean tower. And at 9 a.m. on December the 13th, 2009, the building was imploded by controlled demolition and brought down at a loss of millions and millions of dollars. A weak and wimpy foundation will result in a weak and wimpy building. A weak and wimpy foundation will result in a weak and wimpy life. Men, I want to ask you a question this morning. Is there a foundation failure in your future? Will there come a day when your life will start sinking, start tilting, start cracking and falling apart? Is there a foundation failure in your future? I want to answer that question. And I say this with joy and confidence in my voice. The answer to that question is no. Not if you're building on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. There is not a foundation failure in your future. You see, here's the deal. Really, let's be realistic this morning. You can make and correct a lot of mistakes if you're building on the right foundation. And we do, don't we? But if you're on the solid rock, 
the foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, you can make a lot of mistakes and you can correct them. But listen to me. If you are building your life on a faulty foundation, if you're building your life on the wrong foundation, you can't fix your life. Even if you can fix the problem temporarily, it'll just come back. Because your problem is not the problem. Your problem is that you have the wrong foundation. And that has to be changed. Let me, let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Proverbs 12.3 says, You can't find firm footing in a swamp. But life rooted in God stands firm. You can't find firm foundation in a swamp. I tell you, something that has amazed me throughout my whole ministry is just watching people and watch what happens to them. There are those who are drinking and smoking and drugging and partying. The sad truth of this is some of these are even in the church. And partying and living like the swamp-infested world around them And by the way, I don't care what our president says. You can't drain the swamp. The swamp will always be here. It'll only get worse. But I see people living like the swamp-infested world around them, and then the day comes, they start sinking. They start tilting. They start cracking. They start falling apart. The family starts to break down. Things begin to come crashing down. And I have them say to me, two weeks ago somebody said this to me, why is God doing this to me? Well, church, listen to me. God's not doing that to them. They are doing that to them. The truth is, God has a wonderful, beautiful plan for their lives, but the only way that plan works is you have to make a choice to build on the right foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. Let me give you just one more verse before we move on. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. You see, friends, faith in Jesus Christ is the firm foundation that makes life worth living. And things you can't even see, well, that's okay too. Because He's in charge of that. So the first thing I want you to know is you have to choose the right foundation. The right foundation is Jesus. Second thing I want you to know is you have to remember what matters most. Do you know what matters most? If someone were to walk up to you and say, I've just given my life to Christ. I want to live the Christian life. You've been a Christian for a while. Will you please tell me what matters most? What's the most important thing? Could you tell them? Could you give them the answer? Because I'm about to tell you what matters most. And you need this if you want to build a great life. This is what matters most. Love. Love. That's what the Bible says. Actually, there was a man in Matthew, the 22nd chapter. You can read the story. There was a man who came to Jesus and he said, what's most important? What's the number one thing? What's the greatest of all the commandments? What's the one thing I need to pay attention to most? You know what Jesus said, don't you? Love. 
That's most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said it's all about love. Love is first. Love is the number one thing. You, you, have, to, you have to love people. And Jesus made that crystal clear. And he makes a statement, if you'll go back and read that 22nd chapter of Matthew, he makes one of the most incredible statements you'll ever read in the Bible. He said, upon these two things hang all the law and the prophets. Are you with me? You know what Jesus said? The number one thing in your life is love. And if you miss this, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You can be a great scholar. You can be a great singer. You can be a great teacher. You can be a great preacher. You can be a great business person, according to worldly standards. But if you don't have love, you have missed the whole purpose and meaning of life. You have to build with love. Two people down here in agreement with me. I heard them clap. (laughs) Now, if you think that... uh, is, is a little strong, then I need to read a couple of scriptures to you. Maybe you need to read your Bible again. First uh, John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is? God is love. If you're not moving and walking and talking in love, say what you want to, but the Bible says you don't even know God. Everybody else may be telling you what a wonderful, godly person you are. But if you're not walking in love, the Bible says you don't even know Him. You're not even close to God. And that's not the only place either. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2, Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and clanging cymbal. Paul said, if I had this beautiful tongue, if I could, if I were... If I were this great orator, if I could speak like angels, it wouldn't mean anything. It'd just be noise if I don't have love. Verse 2 says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love. Read those last three words with me. I am nothing. That's pretty clear, isn't it? You see, here's the deal. You minus love equals zero. Me minus love equals zero. Galatians 5, 6 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's it. You see, you have to build your life. If you want to build a great life, you build on the foundational teachings of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And where do you start? You start with love. You start loving people. You have to. The only thing that counts is expressing your faith through love. I could hardly believe this when I read this. When 67-year-old Russell Herman died... In 1994, his will was staggering. Included in his plan for distribution was more than $2 billion for the city of East St. Louis. Another billion and a half for the state of Illinois. Two and a half billion for the National Forest System. And to top off the list, Herman left $6 trillion to the government 
to help pay off the national debt. Amazing generosity. And if you're wondering right now why you've never heard of Russell Herman, I'll tell you. There was a small problem with him. His will was good, but the only thing Herman had when he died was a 1983 Oldsmobile. He made grand pronouncements, but there was no real generosity involved. His promises were meaningless because there was nothing to back them up. Love can't just be talk and empty promises. We have to flesh it out. The poet put it this way, Love is not put in your heart to stay. Love is not love until you give it away. Men, I want to ask you today, this applies to everybody, but especially men, are you building a life based on love? Are you building something on the foundation of Jesus Christ that's so full of love that it's contagious? Is the love of God flowing through you and out of you and touching everybody you come in contact with? Oh, friends, that's what the Bible says. That's what we need. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. Listen to this. This, I'm quoting Scripture now. He prayed for them to be rooted and grounded in love that they might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of God which passes knowledge. Do you understand, according to the Bible, God wants every one of us as His children, He wants us to know and experience and walk in a love that's so great and so glorious and so wonderful that we can't even comprehend it. We can't even get our brains around this love that God has given us. How in the world could you love that person, somebody might ask you. And your answer will be, I don't have a clue. I can't figure it out. I just know He's deposited something in me. And it has to come out. And it's love. You, you see, the most important thing, the, the most important matter when you're building your life has to be love. You build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and the most important thing that you have to remember is love. Now, the next one. Man, I don't know. I, I, this, the Lord really was bearing down on my heart when I prepared this. Gather around you the right people. The right companions. Associate with the right people. Build the right friends. Stay away from the wrong people. It's been said that the people you associate with will determine your success or failure. That's true, friends. Your closest friends will determine the direction of your life. If you choose people who are pulling you away from God and pulling you down, then I'm, I'm telling you this morning, you will go in that direction. If you choose people and bring people around you who are pulling you up and toward God and toward the things of the Word of God, then you have the right people around you and you'll begin to see amazing things happen in your life. I know you've heard some of these before, but maybe you need to hear them again. You can't soar with the eagles if you're hanging out with the turkeys. Some, some, of, some of you are hanging out with some turkeys. 
Birds of a feather flock together. It's better to be alone than in bad company. Amen? I used to hear this when I was growing up. If you sleep with dogs, you'll get fleas. When I wrote that down, I thought, I am going to insult some pet owner here today. And they're going to tell me after the service, my dog doesn't have fleas. By the way, I don't think anybody in here has fleas. I'm just saying. But you go pick up an old stray dog and sleep with him. You'll wake up with fleas. This is deep theology, isn't it? How about this one? Sad company is bad company. There's too much to rejoice about, friends. There's too much victory and glory and celebration in our faith. Don't hang out with sad, depressed, defeated, discouraged people. Uh, Make them hang out with you. Bring them to your circles. This is not an old saying. It's relatively new, but I do like it. Evil company is like a nicotine patch. You can't help but absorb what sticks to you. If you want to build a great life, men, hear me. This could be a game changer for you. This could be the day that changes your whole life. If you want to build a great life, you have to do some things. Build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Ask Him to fill your heart with love and everything you do, you do it with love. And then you start getting the wrong people out of your life and get the right people in your life and start hanging around with good godly people. If you just think about it, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't doesn't it make sense? It's easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull them up. Charlie Parker, an old friend of mine, is here today. Come here, Charlie. Charlie, I want you to stand right here. And I got water. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I was praying that the Lord would get Charlie to the altar. Could some men come and... No. All right, Charlie, I want you to take me by the hand. Now, Charlie, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I want you to give every ounce of strength you have to pull me down off this stage. And at the same time, I'm going to give every ounce of strength I have to pick you up and put you on this stage. Who's your money on? (laughs) You see, gravity is on his side. Gravity is on his side. It's a lot easier for him to pull me down than it is for me to pull him up. You understand? You have friends that are pulling you down. And you can't pull them up. You'll never be able to pull them up. Because it's easier for them to pull you into their mess than for you to pick them up into your glory. You got got it? All right, ready. One, two, I changed my mind. Thank you, Charlie. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. 
Do not be deceived. Read it with me. Bad company ruins good morals. If you're around people who are vulgar and slandering and spewing filth out of their mouths, don't you kid yourself. It won't be long. You'll lower your standards and you'll start saying some things that you shouldn't be saying as a child of God. If you're around people who are gossiping and saying mean, ugly things about people, it won't be long. You'll depart the love of God and you'll start saying things about people that's ugly when they need your love, not your gossip. Are you with me? Now, a couple more scriptures. Proverbs 14.7 says, Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. You know what that means? I'm going to give you some deep theology here. That means get out of Dodge. You get away from him. You get out. 2 Corinthians 6.17, the Apostle Paul said, Come out from among them and be separate. Friends, you hang out with losers, you'll be a loser. You hang out with fools and you'll be a fool. You hang out with people who are partying and living in sin and ruining their lives and it will ruin your life. You have one of two choices. You either separate from them or become one of them. That's what the Bible teaches. Now now you say, Pastor, Pastor, you don't understand. I... I I love these people. I want to minister to them. I want to help them. I want to touch them. Well, I applaud you. That's wonderful. That's great. But there's a right way to do it. Get two or three of your Christian brothers and sisters, get your Bible, and you go to them and you share Scripture with them and you minister to them. Invite them into your Christian circles where they can be under the influence of the Holy Spirit that can really help them. Invite them to come to church with you. But listen to me. If they will not come to church with you, please don't go to hell with them. Please. If they won't let you help them, then please don't let them hurt you and destroy your marriage and your children and your home. You see, friends, the fact is, God wants to build something beautiful in your life. And it will never happen when you're hanging out with the wrong people. One more verse, and then we'll move on. Proverbs 14, 7 says, Escape quickly from the company of fools. They're a waste of your time and a waste of your words. Oh, friends, I, can I just stop right here for a minute and tell you, there are times when I think we, we miss it. Here, here's what we think. We think, you know what? God's touching my heart. I'm going to come to the altar, and, and I'm going to repent. I'm just going to repent of all these things, and then I'm going I'm to leave here, and everything's going to be fine. Did you know repentance alone won't work? If all you needed was repentance, the New Testament would be about three pages long. Jesus came to save you. You need to repent of your sins. Repent. Now that you repent, now that everything's going to be fine, your life's going to be glorious. No. That's why the New Testament is filled with teachings and principles 
on how to live your life. You repent so you can start building something for the glory of God. All right, the next one is commit your life to a great purpose. You see, you need to live your life for something bigger than you. You need something bigger than yourself to live for. Years ago, I heard, I heard an old saying, a man wrapped up in, his, in himself makes a very small package. It's true, isn't it? The Bible tells us that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. This is almost too much to really comprehend that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Listen to these two scriptures. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Friends, men... God has a plan for your life. He's always had a plan for your life. Before you were even born, He had a plan for your life. And not only does He have a plan for your life, but the moment you invited Christ into your heart, He deposited a gift in you to help you walk out that plan and to build something that would be for good for you and your family, that would bring honor and glory to God, and would touch and minister to others. God has a plan, and God has given you a gift. And so today, I'm just asking you to commit yourself to a purpose, a great purpose, God's purpose for your life. Now, here's what some of you are thinking right now, and I'm not a mind reader, I just know because I've been there. You say, Pastor, that sounds good, but I don't know what God's plan is for my life. And I believe what God's Word says, but I don't have a clue what my gift is, the gift that God's given me. This may be a little bit shocking when I tell you this, But I hope you'll hear me. I don't care what you've ever heard in the past. You don't have to know God's plan for your life. You don't even have to know what God's gift is for your life. I've been been preaching the gospel for about 47 years and sometimes I'm still not sure what the plan is. And I... Sometimes I get confused about what my gifts are. Stop trying to figure it out and make a commitment to the purpose of God for your life. Get up every morning and say this, God, I don't know what your plan is, but I'm committed to it today. I don't know what my gift is, but with all my heart, I'm going to try to walk that gift out today. Get up every morning and do that. Do that. I tell you, I believe God the Holy Spirit, the angels of glory. I believe God will move heaven and earth to get you in the right place at the right time doing the right thing for His glory. And and it'll be absolutely wonderful. See, here's what I believe. I believe right here in this congregation, as I look out at you, I believe there's some great Bible study teachers right here in this church, who have never taught a Bible study class. I I believe there are some great singers in this church who have never once sung publicly. I believe there could be some great authors in this church who have never written a book. I believe there very well could be some great songwriters in this congregation who have never written a song. 
some great business men and women who've never stepped out on faith and started a business. You see, the gift is there. The calling is there. The plan is there. You've just just never committed yourself to God's plan, which, by the way, is always bigger than you. It always blows your mind. It's always beyond your ability, talent, and intellect. But you say, okay, God, I'm there. I'm ready. Now, somebody will say, and I, because when I've preached this before, I've had, actually had this question asked. Pastor, what if I step out on faith and fail? Well, I can pretty much guarantee you that's going to happen. It's happened with me many times. There are going to be times when you step out on faith and you will fall on your face. You will fail. But think about this for a moment. If you don't at least try, you have failed already. You have settled into a lifestyle of failure. I've fallen on my face so many times. I've started so many programs that didn't last three weeks. I, 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 somebody pointed out to me one time, years ago, I'm serious, all the things I'd started that just fizzled out. I was kind of embarrassed. But you know what? I keep trying. And you know what? Every now and then I step out on faith and I'm met with the Holy Ghost of God. I'm met with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm met with, with the presence of God. And God will begin to do something that's so glorious and wonderful it makes me forget about all those times I failed. And yeah, yeah. You're going to be my designated clapper. When I point at you, you start clapping. Okay. There we go. All right. When I, when I, man, I want to ask you today isn't it time? Isn't it time for you to get out on faith and start carefully building something for the glory of God? Something that will be for your good and God's glory. Something that will pull your children up, to pull your wife up. Something that will bless everybody around you. Isn't it time? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have all y'all trained here before long. Somebody walked up to me this past week and said, Hey, I want to tell you a story. Listen to this. This is a crazy story. A man on his deathbed is sensing, he's in the hospital, and sensing his time in the world is just about gone. He has his wife, his three children, and a couple of nurses in the room. He's about to draw his last breath. And finally, he whispers to his wife, and he looks at her, and he says, Honey, I want you to take all the homes east of the river. And then he says to his oldest son, I want you to take all the homes west of the river. And then he looked at his daughter and said, I want you to take all the condos in the city. And then he looked at his youngest son and said, I want you to take all the homes in the suburbs. And then he closed his eyes and died. And one of the nurses looked at the family and said, we had no idea he was so wealthy. And the family said, wealthy? He's just leaving us his paper route. (laughs) 
Men, I ask you today, is that what you're leaving your family? A paper route? Or the equivalent thereof? Because i got to tell you, all the houses and all the lands, and even if he did have that stuff to give, it's just a paper route. It's just nothing. Is that what you're leaving your family? Oh, friends, we need to leave more than that, don't we? We need to live for a purpose. We need to build something for the glory of God. A legacy for our children and our grandchildren and for generations to come. Let me tell you, I don't have houses. I have a house. And I don't have... i, I got a little bit of land, but I don't have much land. And, and I don't have a lot of money and worldly wealth to leave my children. And since it's Father's Day, I think this would be a great time for me to just go ahead and announce to my children that my plans are at this point to spend all of their inheritance before I die. (laughs) I hope it works out. I hope I'm broke by the time I die. I want to spend it all. But you listen to me. You listen to me. I will, I know, I will leave my children something better than anything this world has to offer. I will leave them the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. I want to leave them a demonstration of His exceeding great power toward those who believe in Him. That's what I want to leave them. And I believe there will be a legacy. Now let me just stop right here so you don't think I'm bragging on myself. I've made so many mistakes, I would be embarrassed to tell you all the mistakes I've made. I've fumbled and stumbled. I've embarrassed myself in public. I know I've embarrassed my children before. Here's the one thing they know. They know in spite of all the weaknesses and failures, He is number one in my life. And I love Jesus. And that's what I will leave them I'm asking you to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to build with love. I'm asking you to separate yourself from those who would get in the way and gather around you the right people. And I'm asking you to commit yourself to a great purpose. All right, we're actually going to make it. I can look at the clock and tell. Carefully guard your... What? Are you wrong? How many think it's heart? No, I've already told you it's wrong. So what else do you think it is? Your eyes. Men, carefully guard your eyes. Listen, listen to this. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness... Listen, these are the words of Jesus. How great is that darkness? Men, please listen to me. Be careful. We have to be careful. We have to guard our eyes and make sure we're not reading filth. This applies to everybody in the house, but men, you need to hear this. We need to be careful we're not reading filth. 
We need to be careful that we are not watching TV and movies that glorify and magnify an ungodly life. We need to be careful that we don't visit pornographic sites. Why do we need to be careful? Jesus just said it. Because the enemy knows that your eyes are the window to your soul and to your heart. And he knows if he can get through the windows of your eyes, he can get down in your heart. And he can corrupt everything in you. Guys, don't be distracted by the rain. Don't be distracted by somebody running out round. I want your undivided attention. The enemy knows if he can get through your eyes that he can bring darkness into your whole being. You see, friends, that which enters your eyes will cause you to be a great man of God or it will contaminate everything that's in you. It will contaminate your whole family. Do you know why it will contaminate your whole family? Because you're the head of the house. Let me tell you, a man that will not protect his eyes, the enemy will get in him and create darkness, and that darkness will be a cloud over his entire family. Man, we have to protect our eyes. We have to guard our eyes. Listen to Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. That's a covenant. Many years ago, I was ministering at a men's meeting and there was a, a series of events that took place and, and this is as close as I can remember. But during that men's meeting, I got up and I said to the men, I said, how many of you have ever looked at pornography? Now, there was no women around, it was just men. I said, guys, this is just men. Nobody's going to know. Let's just get honest. How many of you looked at pornography? Well, it got real quiet. I said, if you've ever looked at pornography just one time in your life, I want you to hold your hand up. I don't think anybody was even breathing. It got real quiet. And then finally, this is what I did. I said, let me make it easy for you today. I said, men, I raised my hand. Guilty. I just held my hand up. I didn't say another word. One by one. Every man. These are Christian men. This was church people. I said, if you've ever... Now, that didn't mean they were doing it right at that moment. But if you've ever looked at pornography, hold your hand up. And before it was over with, every man in the house had his hand in the air. Pornography has been called every man's battle. And it is. And the enemy will say to you men, it, there's no harm in looking. There's no, there's no danger in looking. And that's a devil's lie. That is the greatest danger. You see, the moment you start looking, the enemy can enter right through your eyes, dig right down into your heart, right down into your soul, and he can turn it into darkness. And Jesus said, how great is that darkness? Men, listen to me. God created us. And Jesus saved us for something better than this. He saved us and created us 
to be men of God. Listen to Psalm 119.37. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Psalm 119.37. One more time. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and give me life through your word. Now we've got one more point, but I do want to tell you this, men. If you walk out of here today and you make up your mind, I'm going to build my life on the teachings of Jesus Christ, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I'm going to build with love. The love of God will permeate everything I do. And, and, and I'm going to get people out of my life that shouldn't be in my life. And I'm going to gather around me the right people. And I'm going to commit my life to the purpose that God has for me. And I'm going to guard my eyes. And you start doing this. And friends, here's what I want to tell you. Men, listen to me. If you just take those first five things and you do them, it won't be long. It won't be but a couple of weeks before your wife, your children, your family members will know something is different about you. And, and you, you will start glowing and growing. You'll feel like you're ten feet tall. Do you know why you will feel like you're ten feet tall? Because for the first time in your life, you will have begun living a godly life. So important. So important. All right, one more. And this won't take but just a minute. I don't normally preach this long. I'm trying to wake you up right now so you have the courage to stand alone. Have the courage to stand alone. You must have the courage to stand alone. Great people don't follow the crowd. Great people go against conventional wisdom. They are counterculture people. You don't become great by being like everybody else. Following Christ is not for wimps. Fitting in is for wimps. Keeping your mouth shut and going with the crowd is for wimps. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Men, act like men. Figure out what's best for you and your family and your children and your descendants and then act like men and be strong. Refuse to go with the current of the world. Ephesians 6, 13 and the first word in verse 14 Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, firm, stand. Stand. That's what it says. Take a stand. All right, here's what I want to do. Y'all are scared to death right now. You men are saying, what is he about to do? Here's all I want to do. You have a handout in your hand. You've heard this message. Build your foundation on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Build with love. Make sure you get the wrong people out of your life and the right people in your life. Live your life on purpose. Guard your eyes. And stand alone. If you have to. Now you don't have to if you're coming to church. Men... Though you may have done this many times in the past, if you're willing to take this that I've shared with you today 
and you're willing to renew and refresh your commitment to God, I want you to just stand up. I'm not going to call you to the altar. I want you to just stand up all over this house. I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to bless you. I want to pray for us. If you're willing to say, you know what? It's time for me to do this. It's time for me to make a difference. It's time for me to build a great life of significance, meaning, and purpose. Let's pray. Father, I bless these men right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak that holy name over them. And Father, I pray for every man standing right now. Every man standing, myself included, that we will build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, that a fresh and new commitment today will be made. Father, we pray right now that you will help us Some of us have been mean-spirited. Some of us have been hateful and hurting, even to family members. And right now we repent. Please forgive us. And our commitment today is, Father, that we will move in love. Your love, the love of God. And then, Father, we ask that you would help us to gather around us good people, right people, the people you want us to associate with people that will help us live for you. And then, Father, we ask that you would help us to commit our lives to your purpose. Many of us don't even know what it is, Lord, but we commit to it. Whatever you want us to do, Lord, we will do. We surrender in the name of Jesus to do your will in the days to come. And now, Father, we know it's a battle, but we ask you to help us to guard our eyes, especially in this day and time in which we live. Help us to guard our eyes Help us to feast our eyes upon your word and things that are good, holy, and pure. Help us to turn away and to make a covenant with our eyes not to look in the wrong places. And then, Father, give us the courage to stand alone, if necessary, to be men of God. To be men of God. Father, I bless these men in the name of Jesus to be strong and mighty men of valor men of courage, men of strength, world changers. I pray that every man standing, that those who know him will begin to respect him and honor him as a true man of God as he walks this out. I pray, Father, that you will uh, uh, clear a spiritual path with each man, that you'll use them mightily. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to help us to keep this commitment. We know it's not one we can keep on our own. Help us, Holy Spirit, to walk this thing out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.